know what? It's felt like Groundhog's Day for about a year now, but we are officially on Groundhog's Day here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 2nd. No Ned Ryerson, no Bill Murray. I forget Bill Murray's name, character name off the top of my head uh, from that uh, from that movie. But Michael Beller is here with you on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast as we get ready for Super Bowl 55 between the Buccaneers and Chiefs. I am joined by my custy, custy, my trusty co-hosts. First, <laughs> Jake Seeley. Jake, what's going on? I don't know if we were having Tim Anderson on all of her yeah, from right. Pat Mayer, the custody. I was like, oh my God, this is going downhill fast. <laughs> right. It's everything, you know, it's the end of the season. We've got one game left. We've played however many games we've played, 256 plus all the playoff games. So, you know, the head is, uh, it's all over the place. 268 games, I guess, that uh, has us at right now. So, you know, saying all sorts of wacky things. Brandon Funston here as well. What's up, Brandon? Well, you just uh, clued me in that, t- that it's actually Groundhog's Day. Apparently in the Pacific Northwest, it's not as big a deal as it is in the other parts of the country. We just we just know that it's going to be raining and have more <laughs> bad weather for for a couple more weeks automatically. Say, so we, There are no shadows <laughs> to try and judge up there. So <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what the result exactly. was, by the way? Because we already found out. I don't. Oh, actually. did we? Oh, he saw his shadow, so apparently we're supposed to have six more weeks of winter. I don't even, somebody should find out what the hit rate on that is, just to see. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, really you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in Chicago. There's about a foot of snow outside uh, my house, so uh, six more weeks takes us to mid-March. That's fine. If you're telling me winter will end in mid-March, I'll, I'll take it. I will happily. Uh, I'll take, take it, too. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, cool. We got That's like cool. three inches for the first. We didn't even get any snow last year, and I wanted a little bit more than that. Although our friend Emery Hunt, if you want to go check out his Instagram yeah. and watch him shovel out his driveway of like feet of snow like you have, Beller. So. Yeah, those of you in the, By the uh, way, Beller, northeast. Yeah, Phil, Col- Phil Connors. Phil Connors. Phil Connors. Phil Connors, yes. Answer, too. That is the name. Phil the musician? That's Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins. Phil Collins. I know. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. We've uh, so we've got that. We, I I don't know how many people will uh, would know Ned Ryerson, but not Phil Connors uh, off the top of their head. But I, <laughs> I guess uh, it's just uh, it's just the sort of guy I am. Um, here we are. Super just Bowl week. Uh, Super Bowl week is here. I am very excited for uh, this game. I'm sure everyone out there is as well. And as Jake said, all you in the Northeast. What else are you doing besides listening to podcasts with uh, that foot and a half or whatever of snow you've got outside your doors? Uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl here, guys. We got into it a little bit last week, our early thoughts on the game. But now that we are less than a week away from uh, this matchup between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, I think things are starting to harden, at least for me, how I feel about this game. We can take a look at the line to get things going. We're back up to three and a half at uh, BetMGM. It started at three and a half. It came down to three. And now it's back up to three and a half. 62% of tickets are on the Chiefs, but 49% of the handle, only 49% of the money coming in on the Chiefs. So we have a slight money majority on the Buccaneers five days out from the Super Bowl. The total itself, it's been at 56 and a half for a week, open at 57 and a half, quickly came down to 56 and a half. And that is still where it stands with five days to go until Super Bowl 55. So... Where are we on this game, you guys? I've been on this spot for the last couple of weeks. I still feel very confident in what I feel about this game. Jake, three and a half, who you like here and why? Yeah, I was going to stick with my Chiefs. You know that. Uh, I say my Chiefs, but the Chiefs gets the preseason, in-season, postseason, like this pick all along. I'm not moving off the Chiefs. Uh, I, I put them in at three. I told you guys that. We got FanDuel here, and I took my three-team parlay win and put it all right on the Chiefs at three. If it was three and a half, I'd still do the same. That The half point doesn't really move the needle for me. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think that you could probably get up, for me, around to five before I started to hesitate. I, I really think... 
nobody stopping the Chiefs this year. And I mean, we might even be talking about them next year as a potential three beat, which you know, in the NFL happening. But you're just mm-hmm. looking at this team and find the weakness. And you could say a little bit on the defense. You could say, well, if the running game goes wrong, we can paint scenarios, and we'll kind of get into that with some of the props because there's a prop I have about how this could go wrong for them. But if you told me they played 10 times, I'd say the Chiefs probably win eight and maybe even nine. I think that's totally fair, and I am right there with you. Are you unanimous on this, Brandon? Uh, Well, not unanimous. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the hook does come into play, though. And uh, I I think the Chiefs, if I had to throw a score out, I'd say 30 to 27. But what did we see last time? 27 to 24. I think we're going to see something similar. I was not the guy who dropped the $2.3 million once the hook came back into play (laughs) on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I I do think it'll be important. And I I don't really care about either of these teams from a fandom kind of sense. Mm -hmm. But I, I, in, in which case, case i root for it to be just like an epic game something great and amazing happens and i think that's in play i mean you got brady and mahomes and i think it it can be close and uh and for that i hope that we see a great game well you know if you're expecting close in a three-point game uh bet mgm has uh the game to go into overtime yes at plus 900 so that could be a fun way to get involved and cheer for something close right there I actually, you know, that that thought went through my head last yesterday. Uh, I was thinking, you know, this could be a game that goes into overtime, and we haven't seen one yet in the Super Bowl, right? And um, we haven't no, seen uh, the Super Bowl yeah, overtime. Uh, so. uh, Falcons Patriots. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that was so the first was. one. Yeah, that was Dummy. the first one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will, I will. Another another Super Bowl. I did not care about the teams. So. I'll always go. remember that Super Bowl as the game where James White got screwed out of being Super Bowl MVP. Well, totally I mean, deserved it. The, the odds of anything not quarterback when it comes to MVP, anything are, are already stacked against them. In a, in a huge the odds way. of a, a position player uh, getting the MVP on a team with Tom Brady that <laughs> that, that, that team won that is. <laughs> if you're if you're interested in that uh, position of Super Bowl MVP quarterback minus three fifty, any other position is plus two sixty. Yeah. Oh, you can and get any just, other position total? Uh, yeah, yeah. Patrick Mahomes get, and Tom Brady in the same game? Screw it. No, I'm not, I'm not doing get, it. <laughs> you can get offense defense. You can get position by position. Uh, but just quarterback is minus 350. Any other position, plus 260. If you want to get crazy, kicker, punter, or long snapper is plus 8,000. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, Jake, you referenced, uh, you referenced the props, so uh, let's get into those. Uh, just for the record, I am with Jake also. I think the Chiefs. You know, I'm gonna uh, something I'm gonna take a look at as we get a little closer to Sunday is playing around with the alternate lines and maybe playing the Chiefs up to minus six and a half and just trusting them to win by a touchdown. Maybe look at minus nine and a half and think that they can win this game by double digits because I do agree that uh, this is just the, the superior team, the best team, and I just don't want to be on the opposite side of Patrick Mahomes really for anything. And I do think that they ultimately end up uh, maybe keeping the Bucks at arm's length. Maybe it's not a total runaway, although I would uh, bet on it being a runaway. I think the odds could be juicy enough to bet on a runaway, but I do think that the Chiefs keep this game generally at arm's length, even if they on- only end up winning by you know four, five, six points, but I do think they cover the three and a half. Uh, let's take a look at some of the props we like. We're probably not going to be able to get through all of this because we do still want to take a look at Jake's early 2021 rankings for the running back and wide receiver positions. Got a few fun things to dive into there. So even though we all have a couple of props listed here, let's just maybe pull out one, maybe two, Jake. Take that first one that you said. You, you, you said you could paint the scenario where this is the <laughs> way things go if the Bucks win, and you have a prop that you like that leads you down that road. What is it? 
Well, it's an enormous prop, and that's why, and that's really yeah. what it comes down to. So here's where you do things. This is DFS. This is betting. This is everything. You have to. What's the story? What's the story mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. things happen? So, if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, I don't see. Now you might disagree, but I don't see the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl 34-31. I don't see it being in the 30s. If the Bucks are going to win. They're going to lean on their run defense, being able to do what it does without sending extra rushers to hopefully also contain Patrick Mahomes and sit on top of Kelsey or Hill. Pick one. You can't pick both. You're going to have to pick one. Mm-hmm. But limit it to you have one option that beats you in this game. And hopefully that one option, even if Kelsey, we'll say Kelsey, they let him go. He gets 120 and one touchdown. Somehow you kept the Chiefs to 13 points. Well, if you do that, you also slow down the game with the run game. You play control. Tom Brady can be efficient, but you win this game 24 to 13 or something like that. And that's where you say, how do the Bucks do it? That's how they do it. And if so, a line, and you can even get this line deeper for a better odds, but you could say the Bucks win and the under hits of 41.5 for an alternate line. You can bring that down to 37 and a half. But that line right there of the Bucks winning and under 41 and a half is plus 1,000. And so that's. That's how you paint a scenario where you make for a big payday. You're just like, oh, my God, wow. But obviously, it's a giant line because nobody expects that for the football purposes. But that's the story you create, and that's why that makes that an intriguing line. People are going to be so pissed if that ends up being the way the Super Bowl goes. (laughs) Of course. These two teams getting together, and it's like a 20-13 to Patriots win. People are not. But see, I look at it kind of like the flip side (laughs) of Brady's two losses to Eli. How did the Giants win those games? 20-17. to Like, they won games where they kept Tom Brady in check and they kept the game slow, low scoring, and that's what you're looking for. I can't remember who made that. Made Someone made that point explicitly. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give that person credit, but it was like it's almost as though Brady now is Eli then and Mahomes now is Brady then, like peak Mahomes, or you know maybe we haven't even seen it, but like Mahomes now was peak Brady. And maybe they do end up taking a page from what we saw from the Giants. So they have a similar... I would say as similar a team as could exist in this era of football, you know, that's what the Giants were in that era of football. All right. Well, uh, what about Brandon, the, uh, why you take the it away Rams Patriots? Like? Well, I was just going to throw it to the Rams Patriots. I mean, look what yeah, sure. I'm sure those teams, I, I can't remember, but I mean, I'm sure those teams were uh, among the better offensive teams in the league, and then they get together and, Rams, and what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like uh, I like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both over eighty yards for plus one thirty five. Um, Kelsey, if you look at the last ten games, has held up his end of the bargain nine times. Uh, Tyreek Hill has held up his end of the bargain six times. But then you look at the last time they played, and Tyreek Hill had two hundred sixty nine yards against them. So uh, this is this these are numbers that are well below their average. These are numbers that proved to be way too low when they played last time so uh i like that as as a throw and i also like leonard fournette uh over 25 and a half receiving yards mm-hmm. at minus 110 ronald jones is not even in the equation really in terms of the passing game out for among running backs and you look at the chiefs they've given the most during the regular season the most receiving yards to the running back position so i like fournette he's getting a lot of targets i think he's had five catches each of his last two games so i like that as a, just a straight up bet i absolutely love that one too brandon right there with mm. you uh, it, it's uh, it's at minus 110 too so exactly yeah. the normal line that you would expect and you said it i mean five catches uh for just 19 yards uh, in the win over the packers but still five catches and seven targets Five catches, six targets, 44 yards in uh, the, uh, what was that, against the Saints uh, in their second game of the playoffs. First game of the playoffs against Washington. Four catches,
catches for 39 yards. I mean, he has had this role for Tampa really all season. Even for that stretch when Ronald Jones was the guy, he has had that role. I am totally on that with you. There are a few that I like in that same vein. Um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, his over-under for passing yards is 329 and a half. The over is at minus 120. Uh, last week when I talked about this with Vic Tafer, it was at minus uh, 105. So it was actually a tiny underdog versus the under was at minus 115 then. That's flipped a little bit. Still very comfortable with Patrick Mahomes hitting the over on 329 and a half. First time these two teams met, Chiefs led the entire way. Chiefs put up 20 points in the first half. It was a game script that if the Chiefs are ever going to have one that leads them to run the ball, that was the one. And we still saw Patrick Mahomes put the ball in the air 49 times versus 20 team run. So I just don't really think the Chiefs are going to deviate from that plan uh, too much. I like that a lot. I also like Chris Godwin going over 73 and a half receiving yards. That has come down to minus, minus 105. So that is a little bit of an underdog. And we still don't yet have Antonio Brown receiving props because of his injury. This is one that I like already, but I'm holding off on. Antonio Brown is going to play. I think as long as, as, as soon as we get the thumbs up on Antonio Brown, his numbers go up. Maybe we get Chris Godwin down to 71 and a half or 70 and a half on this, and then you can jump on and get a, a little bit better of a number here. So that's those are two that uh, that I'm looking at here. Uh, well, what else are we thinking here, Jake? Well, that, and that's why I have Hardman and Watkins both down there. I have yeah. Hardman first, two and a half receptions and 27 and a half receiving yards, uh, plus 120, minus 110. Watkins, three and a half receptions, plus 125, 36 and a half yards, minus 115. And look, if Watkins plays... Those are low numbers. If he doesn't play, Harbin, Harbin, uh, you could argue Hardman's numbers are kind of low to start, you know, and right. then maybe the receptions, yeah. the yards are the more attractive of the two if Watkins plays. But if no Watkins, forget about it because Demarcus Robinson, in case anybody didn't see, is on the COVID list. He's not playing. Mm-hmm. So even if Watkins is out there, Hardman at worst is now the third wide receiver. I was looking for Byron Pringle too, but uh, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say get Hardman now. Worst case scenario, that's still a fine number to get in on both because if Watkins isn't playing, those numbers are not going to be two and a half and twenty seven and a half. There's no way those are going to jump up significantly. Well, I think I think with Hardman, there's a decent chance that he gets two catches the easy way with that little shovel pitch, yeah. you know, reverse play. Um, you can see them doing that a couple times, you know, and then then it's just about what he'll catch downfield as well. Yeah, right, so right. I think I think both of those. I was going to say, my, my the one I like the most is Kelsey scores and Casey wins for plus 105. But the more attractive, like, I always try to find a few big ones. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, longest rush. Now, this is everybody. This isn't longest rush for the Chiefs. This is longest mm-hmm. rush of everybody. It was plus 500. You're telling me between Fournette, Ronald Jones, Daryl Williams, and Clyde Edwards. Well, okay, how do you get running back success, which is very rare against the Buccaneers, and that's why he's plus 500, but you do it in space. It's probably not going to be Daryl Williams if it's going to be the longest rush, and I don't see Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones ever being like the, oh, they broke off a 30-yard run. So for plus 500, I'll take the gamble on Edwards Hilaire for that one. You know what I wish I would have pulled up, and uh, maybe I'll have this uh, in time for our show later this week that I do with Vic Tafer, where we'll be looking even deeper at some of the gambling lines in this game, is just what the the over-under on the longest rush of the game is, because it feels like the, the sort of game where the longest rush might just be like you know, oh, 15 yards, 23 yards, right? something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, but I think you make a good point about uh, about how you get the longest rush or how you get a long rush against Tampa, and I'm surprised to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire down at plus 500 with three guys ahead of him. Obviously, I would expect Leonard Fournette to be the favorite here, but Darrell Williams having a better uh, line than 
than um, than Clyde Edwards Hilaire comes as a little bit of a surprise to me. We have so <laughs> well, much you that we get, can talk about here too, right? You, you get Fournette at plus twenty five hundred for the longest reception. <laughs> <laughs> that one feels like uh, like a little bit uh, of too uh, too unlikely for me to want to get in on. But like I said, Vic Tafer and I will be back a little later this week, getting into. All of the things that are going on at BetMGM, the ways that you can get involved in playing this Super Bowl. Not just on the 3.5, not just on the 56.5 total, but all the myriad ways that you can get involved in a little bit of gambling as you sit and watch the Super Bowl this weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, let's get ourselves way beyond the Super Bowl this weekend and on to the 2021 season. We talked about this a little bit last week, Jake's. 2021 rankings are available for you on the site. You obviously need to be a subscriber. If you are not and you want to check those out, go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. $3.99 a month will get you in the door to see that and all the other great work we do here at The Athletic. Last week, we talked quarterbacks and tight ends. This week, we are going to talk running backs and wide receivers. And of course, we're not going to give you everything here because we want you to go check out the column, but we are going to give you some of the most interesting ones. And Jake, the first thing that jumped out at me when I looked at your running back rankings were two of the second-year players we've already talked a bit about this offseason. These two guys find their way into your top 10. Jonathan Taylor, RB7, James Robinson, RB8. I don't think you really need to defend these rankings because I think they're totally reasonable, but what led to you to putting those guys at those respective spots? Yeah, I also uh, wouldn't be getting them at that turn like we did in that way too early mock anymore. <laughs> Taylor probably Robinson not, yeah. there, but hey, really what it comes down to is Taylor's late season success is probably going to push him inside the top seven for a lot of people next year. I know some people are even talking about taking him in front of Ezekiel Elliott next year. And I mean, we still have to see what the quarterback situation looks like, but we know that offense, the offensive line, how good Taylor was down the stretch when he finally was treated as the bell cow. Uh, that that's there's plenty of upside with him. I'd still take Zeke, but Taylor's now in that discussion. I think that they're in the same tier. And it's the same thing I've said about James Robinson from week three or four, whatever it was when we did the show. You guys both remember I said it said strip the name off the back of the jersey and put Fournette still on that team as Fournette on the back of the jersey. And everybody's like, oh, top 10. No question about it. Mm-hmm. James Robinson, top 10. No question about it. 20 touches, whether they're down, whether they're up. I know the hiring of the the Schottenheimer, I know we're thinking of like, oh my God, this is with the passing game. We'll just, but you know, a lot of people are saying this is passing game in quotes or wait, no, wait, what am I thinking of here? That's where he went, right? <laughs> That's where he went, right? Brian Schottenheimer is the uh, passing game coordinator. Yeah. Didn't yeah. he get, yeah. Okay. I just, I just want to double check myself there. I was yeah. like, no, wait, yeah, right. am, am I thinking correctly? Yeah. But I, he, it's it's in quotes because I don't think you know that's his real title. I think he's going to be more of just an assistant coach on the sidelines with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not concerned that this offense is going to be less than what we thought it was going to be, like we saw with the Seahawks. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of how to tie this into Brandon because I thought he was going to jump in on that. That's why <laughs> getting on old shoddy. Well, Schottenheimer and uh, and Urban Meyer 
teaming up here uh, in Jacksonville. And obviously, we all assume, and I think with good reason, that uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, will be the the quarterback here. Uh, Brandon, yeah, obviously, you didn't necessarily go through the same exercise, but as you look at Jake's rankings, seven and eight, JT and James Robinson, this feel uh, reasonable to you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's going to be any change for James Robinson. In fact, I, I, I had an opportunity to talk to a reporter down there, and, and they didn't feel it that way either. Um, you know, they're not going to – well, not really. It's just it's just someone local agreeing with me is all I'm trying to say. It's someone that covers the team, and um, you know they have so many different needs. And if if Urban Meyer comes in, he's going to look at James Robinson what he did and say, okay, we're we're covered there. I mean, I guess maybe you look for a, maybe a low cost guy, or if you look at what you have in house as as kind of backups to him but i think james robinson is is going to stay in mostly the role he had last year and the offense is going to get better around him so it's only going to help him i i have no problem with him being in the top 10 and uh i thought it'd be funny if you put him ahead of jonathan taylor so the only undrafted rookie running back you know with, <laughs> with, the with way. all the other all the other yeah, drafted rookie running backs from last year <laughs> i mean you know what Barely number two. I mean, that's just telling mm-hmm. in and of itself about <laughs> anything. Right. Pretty perfect timing here. I actually just got uh, an email uh, from uh, our partners over at BetMGM about the NFL draft and uh, how things are going. Trevor Lawrence, minus 3,000 to be the first overall pick. Uh, 32.1% of tickets are oh on God. him. 99.5% of the handle at BetMGM is on Trevor Lawrence as the first overall pick. So uh, I don't think we need to this try to. This is where you, if you have a, just, a, 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 just a ton of money, yeah, right? make that bet. Yeah, you right. Know? <laughs> yeah, go like, it's, like it's gonna Jeff, happen. Jeff Bezos just unload the net worth on, uh, on right. Trevor Lawrence minus three thousand. <laughs> I don't think we need to try to connect any Ohio State dots from uh, Urban Meyer to Justin Fields and think that anything empty, like that is empty going your to bank account to make two hundred dollars. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be us. We would be emptying our bank. That's account what I'm saying. To make two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's not what we want to do. But you know, someone with Bezos money could empty the bank account and make uh, quite a bit of money on that uh, at Trevor Lawrence minus. Yeah, 3,000. Let's take a look at a couple other second-year running backs. I really didn't plan on this being the case, but two of these guys just had their teams involved in a massive trade. Cam Akers goes from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. DeAndre Swift does the reverse here. He loses Matthew Stafford and will now have Jared Goff as his quarterback in the 2021 season. How did that impact the way you rank these two guys, Jake, with these quarterbacks making the change? Nothing at all when it came to the running backs. Oh, wow. uh, I okay. actually put, yeah, I put notes there at the end of the wide receivers for you to update where Stafford and the wide receivers moved. But I don't, I don't really see a change when it comes to the running backs because DeAndre Swift's going to stay there because the same reason he was there before and he is now is tons of upside question marks about what the coaches are going to do, what kind of game plan they're going to install. Are they going to draft somebody, bring somebody in to be a compliment to him and not still treat him as a bell cow? There's a lot of questions with him. So I think keeping him at 16 is fair. And Cam Akers is, yeah, I I, I get the argument to put him as an RB1. It's just more of the guys that he's got to kick out in front of him. And that's really what it comes down to, Cam Akers. And also the fact that he's not, you know, it's not – 
immune to saying Cam Akers has concerns of his usage with McVay. You know, yeah, no more Malcolm Brown, but Daryl Henderson's still going to be there. What if they also bring in now another option just to keep him fresh and they want to keep Cam Akers in that 17-touch range? Does he bump Josh Jacobs? Eh, maybe. I'd go, I'll still do that. I'll still go with J.K. Dobbins on a superior run offense mm-hmm. with somebody who I know is going to be the lead option who was dealing with, somebody asked in the rankings, was dealing with Gus Edwards every Every single week down the stretch. And guess what? He was still RB8 and RB9 in points and points per game. So I know it sounds crazy to some people, but it's just more so the people that he has to push aside. And I'll still take those guys before I took Cam Akers. The only one I could see the argument for is if you want to argue for Akers over Josh Jacobs, I don't have a problem with it. Well, Brandon, do you want to make that argument? I guess, yeah, like, as I said, right, we're going to be off for a couple of weeks after uh, this episode. So this is sort of like the last episode the three of us are going to do together for what we're still calling the 2020 season. And you were our Cam Akers guy for the 2020 season. Yeah. I see no uh, appro- other appropriate way to end the 2020 season without you getting one last argument in on behalf of Akers. Well, I, I think, you know, the Rams offensive line did a good job in run blocking from, from at least from my eye test. Uh, I think J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers are a really good argument. I think they are on a level. I would not put – I actually still would go Josh Jacobs ahead of Cam Akers. I, I just look at the rest of the list and maybe Aaron Jones, TBD, on where he lands. If he sure. goes back to Green Bay, I have no problem with that ranking. It might even be a little bit low in my mind. But um, but so he could be a guy that falls if he if he goes to some place that we don't love. Um, but I, I, I love what Shil Kapadia said recently in one of his articles that you know you watched the Rams the last few years and go imagine what this team could be with a with a better quarterback and you watched the Lions and Matt Stafford said imagine what Matt Stafford could be with a better team around him and now we have it and I think you know this is going to be a case where I think the upside for this Rams offense is going to shoot up. And that's only going to help Cam Akers. So I think J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers are are right there. Honestly, if I had to pull the trigger, I think I'm going Cam Akers. I like the fact that you know that Malcolm Brown sounds like he's going to be out of the picture finally, and it just feels like Daryl Henderson's now the backup slash change of pace guy. But we know that Cam Akers can can do some do some damage in the passing game a little bit as well. So I, I feel like he's kind of moving back into sort of the Todd Gurley territory of this Rams offense. All right, two more guys I want to talk about at the running back position before we move on to wide receivers. Miles Sanders and Joe Mixon, these were guys who were routinely selected at the end of first rounds in 2020 drafts. In fact, there were probably a lot of people who uh, took the both, right? Took uh, took them at the one-two turn, thought they were just sitting pretty at the running back position, and then probably ended up going like four and nine after the seasons they had and the injuries these two guys dealt with. Jake, you've got Miles Sanders in your uh, first pass at rankings at running back 15, Joe Mixon. At running back 18, again, it's sort of like what you just said with uh, with Cam Akers. You look at the guys ahead of him, and even if you like a bounce back for Miles Sanders or Joe Mixon, it's hard to really put them ahead of any of these guys. Uh, same question, I guess, for you here with the last two. What led you to putting Sanders at 15 and Mixon at 18? Yeah, Sanders actually became the last of the – uh, I'd say significant question marks. Like, so, so we start with DeAndre Swift and what his usage is going to be. Like, I know Sanders is going to be the lead option, but does he fall into my concern of like the Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins is the lead option, 60% versus 80% for some of those guys inside the top 10. So that's why Miles Sanders is there. We know he has top 10 upside. 
But again, there's a lot more certainty with some of the names in front of him. Joe Mixon, a lot of missed time. And Joe's Mick, Joe Mixon, before he was hurt, he was doing great, but he was still only RB10-11. So it's not like he was top six and then got hurt and all that. So you have the injury, not knowing what's going on there. I know Joe Burrow and the excitement for that offense is going to be an uptick for him, that being Joe Mixon. But he also doesn't get enough use in the passing game is what we love to see to put him on that like Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones level, depending on where Aaron Jones ends up. I tell you what, if Aaron Jones is back with the Green Bay, like he's going to be right there. He, I think Aaron Jones could move up. I Get him the hell away from the Packers and I'll move him up. But Joe Mixon is kind of that same curious conversation that I have with like David Montgomery with uh, Tariq Cohen back and healthy, Antonio Gibson, how much just kind of like. Is he going to be back to touching the ball 18 to 20 times per game? And even if so, it's kind of almost like he's almost like now a lesser Nick Chubb. Uh, Brandon, let me ask you a slightly different question here. But based off the fact that we have Miles Sanders at 15 and Joe Mixon at 18 and Jake's rankings, you look at these rankings and you know people always seem to want to talk themselves into you know being okay to pick uh, from the RB you know, 15-ish to 25-ish and building their running back group with those sorts of guys. And so often we've seen that really backfire on people who have tried to do that. But there are a lot of intriguing names in this group. Could 2021 be the year that breaks that streak? Of just picking guys in that fifteen to right. I mean, the way, like to, that always ends up being the landmine group, right? The, the guys who are right. you know, RB twos, and you can paint a best case scenario in your head for them, but so rarely does it actually come through. That if I was, it just looks like well, I'm still not going to do it, but it looks like 2021 has the chance to be the year that finally helps that come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, I'll take Antonio Gibson, Chris Carson, and if nothing changes, Miles Gaskin as my three running backs. If that means I'm loaded up at wide receiver and elsewhere, uh, absolutely. Uh, I look. I, I I like Jake's rankings for the most part. I think Chris Carson's too low, Clyde Edwards-Helaire too high. I'd flip flop those two. Uh, it's probably like my only qualm there. But um, yeah, and I I love Antonio Gibson. I think he's a I think he's a, a great deal in this range. There's gonna there's gonna be some landmines for sure. I look at a lot of these guys and there's just upside downside combos going here. But uh, you know, there's a I think there's a couple guys in here that probably the landmines are pretty small. I think Antonio Gibson is a guy where I'm just like, what's what's the qualm here? I mean, this he's gonna you know he's just arrowing up, and I don't see a whole lot of downside uh, to him overall. I was going to say, that's one of the things I was even saying in the comments with some people is I think running back next year is going to be deeper than it has been in a long time. I mean, not, we're not even a sliver of what wide receiver is depth-wise, but I think this is the first time in years where we're going to feel okay with getting RB17. Like, you know, if you're telling me it could be any of the mix of the guys, it could be Swifter Sanders, it could be Gibson, it could be Chris Carson, it could be Gibson, you know, any of those guys, you're going to be like, you know what? Even if that's my RB1, and to Brandon's point, I went wide receiver, wide receiver, that's not like it used to be. And this is before we even throw in Etienne and uh, Najee Harris. Like right. th- Those right. are two guys right. who could easily even talk top 15, depending on their landing spot. So I think we're going to feel a lot better about running back than we have in some time. It's another Agreed. illustration of just how offensive the NFL has become. It's an offensive league, and we're seeing uh, the deepening of almost every single position, with the exception of tight end, as we talked about last week. But uh, a lot of fun things to get into at running back as well. All right, guys, let's move it on over to wide receiver now. As you said, Jake, just 
super, super deep. And this is one I keep teasing the fact that we're going to get into a free agent discussion uh, in a couple of weeks when we actually uh, come back from our little two week hiatus. We and, are doing it. I mean, we're going to have we're going to have so we are, we're doing it for sure. And we're going to have so much to talk about at this wide receiver position. We're going to stay a little bit away from it here and just look at some of the uh, more interesting guys that you already have in your rankings and guys who aren't necessarily going to be changing teams this season. Uh, you know what? I think uh, as recently as five months ago, people would have thought it was crazy to have Julio Jones in any sort of wide receiver ranking at number 18. That's where you've got him for early 2021. And you look at the names in front of him, it's not hard to have him down that low. Is this just the new reality for Julio? It is, and part of it's also understanding at this point where we used to make excuses. I was one of the ones that always made all the excuses, and deservedly so for Julio Jones. Like, don't hate him because he doesn't score touchdowns. You know, most seasons he was scoring five or six. It was that one year of three that everybody remembers because he also put up so many yards. But you still weren't complaining because of how many damn yards he put up. But He's also somebody that for years you've heard a lot of people like, oh, he seems banged up. He's always nicked up. It's always, does he make it through the entire game? I think we finally are getting to the point now where Julio Jones is clearly, like you could say, oh, he's starting to go on to the downside of his career. He's clearly there now. He's clearly, does he make it 16 games? Does he score enough with Calvin Ridley now out there who not only was their number one, but was also handling being an NFL number one while Julio Jones was out getting double coverage and not even a blink of an eye still going for a hundred yards and a touchdown. So it's now Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones deserves to be in this conversation. I mean, he's down there with like Mike Evans. Obviously that could change. As you mentioned with the free agency show of Chris Godwin's gone, Mike Evans would jump up and you know, that kind of hinges on that, but Julio Jones, Thielen, you know, whether we're talking about younger guys like Deontay Johnson or more vets and Will Fuller and DJ, that's the range that he's in now. And, it's just the names in front of him. At this point of who Julio is, how does he go ahead? And plus, you still have the question mark is if Matt Ryan is even the quarterback. Right, right. <laughs> are, you, are you cool with this ranking of Julio Jones, Brandon? Yeah, you know, Selfino, Michael Selfino, our colleague, always brings this up about the, just the history of 30-year-old big wide receivers and how they don't age well. And I think, you know, I was kind of like, okay, well, there's exceptions to the rule, and Julio Jones seems like an exception. You look at it, not – yeah, T.O. And, and you know, and, and Julio last year had some huge games. Three of his nine games, he was over, he was 137 yards or more, you know, and over half, he was over 90 yards. But he had the injury, he had the hamstring injury, or was it a hamstring or groin? I forget what it was, but it kind of showed his age and that he never really got completely clear of that. And he tried to play through it, and then he had to miss a week here and there. But it was something that stayed with him all season long, and it kind of makes me think in the back of my head, well, it, you know, he's a he's a big athletic uh, receiver in his 30s, and this just might be the new norm for him is that he's not going to be able to bounce back from these kind of injuries. He's always been somebody that's been prone to them, but he's certainly battled through them better in the past. And so uh, I think it's fair to say that this, you know, this could be the new norm, and I think it's expectations you have to have going in. Yeah, something uh, that could definitely concern us, right? You might get, uh, like, you could get 10 games out of him, and those 10 games are going to be great, but you're only going to get 10 games out of him. And with the depth of this position, I think we could be looking at this being, yeah, not just an early ranking, but where we actually do end up landing on him somewhere in this uh, mid to low tier tight end two uh, when we really get into 2021 draft season this summer. Uh, guys, let's take a look at this. Over the last four seasons, we've had at least one receiver who was outside of the top 10 in ADP end up inside the top three in half PPR scoring. In 2017, there were actually two, DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. 2018, 
I'm cheating a little bit on this one. Tyreek Hill was exactly wide receiver 10 by ADP, but then he had such a ridiculous year that it doesn't even really feel like cheating. Chris Godwin in 2019, Stephon Diggs this past year. So if we look at Jake's uh, top 10, who's someone outside of that? And Jake, you can take this one first. Someone outside of your top 10, if you were, uh, you know, someone from the future came back and said, guess what? <laughs> this happened again. We're now at five straight years. Who would you guess it would be? Uh, do, you, do you need to ask? There's, I there's, do. <laughs> I do. I think I know where you're going, but I still want to ask. Oh, I'll give you two because everybody should know my two answers at this point. It's I know Deontay one Johnson. Sure. Yep. Yeah, Deontay <laughs> Johnson. Because if you put again, I'm going to go back to it. His 11 healthy games, wide receiver six. Well, 11 healthy games, only behind AJ Brown in points per game, and then the rest, the big four, I guess we'll call them at this point, including Ridley. Uh, so it'd be Deontay Johnson, but the other one would be DJ Chark. DJ Chark, tons of air yards, tons of production was. Whatever happened, we I've talked about it many times. I don't know what happened in week three or four because it was before Minshew lost the job and got hurt that he wasn't even on the same page at that point. He started off okay, but something went wrong. But tons of air yards, tons of ability, can be an NFL wide receiver one, as in can handle outside, inside coverage, like Calvin Ridley. Um, and now you get Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback? Yeah, <laughs> please. Uh, so those would be the two, but if you told me I could only pick one, uh, Deontay Johnson, mostly because I don't see the Steelers bringing back Juju Smith-Schuster with what Claypool already did as a rookie. Uh, I'll throw out, I think an obvious one might be Mike Evans, uh, just because of the TD upside. We've seen him be a number two wide receiver uh, with Jameis. He's been a number six and a number seven overall. Even one year he was number nine when he missed three games. So he's lived in the top ten many of his of his years of his career. Um, so I don't think it would take much. You know, a couple more touchdowns or something, and Mike Evans is right there. I'm going to throw out a sleeper in Robert Woods, who's had some seasons in the past where he's wow. kind of sniffed around the top ten and been right at the top ten. Uh, we've seen him put up like 12 big yardage without the touchdowns. Last year he was, I think he was borderline top 10 because he had a bunch of touchdowns, even though he was under a thousand yards. But with Matt Stafford, we could see him put together yardage and touchdowns all in one. And that, you know, that would be a, I think a deep sleeper, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't blow me away. Yeah, I'm not saying this guy should be in this discussion, but uh, you know, I was looking for, you know, guys a little bit further down the rankings uh, who we could get really excited about, who could be big-time risers in the summer. And I think that he ties in the last two things that I wanted to talk about at this position well. Uh, Jake, you've got Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 32. He was going, what, like wide receiver you know, 19 to 23-ish uh, before he tore the ACL in the summer and was out for the season. It feels to me as though he could be a summer riser. He's also a guy who would benefit if the Broncos uh, were to make a quarterback change. And again, with all the quarterback movement that <laughs> could end up happening this summer, I think we're going to see a, a lot of guys who benefit from getting new quarterbacks and, you know, guys maybe like Kenny Galladay who take a little bit of a hit from their team losing a certain quarterback and taking on a new guy at that most important of positions. So with Cortland Sutton as sort of our jumping off point for this discussion, uh, who do we think could be someone who really does benefit from his team getting a new quarterback in town? Yeah, well, I mean, we just brought up one of them with the Robert Woods. Like, I moved Cooper Cup up into the top 20 after that, and Van Jefferson actually gets inside the top 60. So uh, I think that if we're talking about the obvious ones, though, Brandon Ayuk, who I already have ahead of Debo Samuel and inside my top 30, and if they replace Jimmy – honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo is an improvement of the quarterback that they sure, had right, last then, year. Then, yeah, and if they replace – <laughs> Right. And if they replace Jimmy Garoppolo with even Matt Ryan, there's been some rumors about that. 
I think he sees a big one, and I think that's probably the most likely because I know we could sit here and we could say, well, if Washington's really going to go after Watson or maybe somebody else, and you could say Terry McLaurin, but I also think that they might either draft or try to sign like a Corey Davis, and then Terry McLaurin doesn't move that much. Um, and then who was the other one? Oh, the Carolina situation. If they got the Sean Watson, I don't think DJ Moore or Curtis or not Curtis Samuel's going to be gone. Uh, I don't think Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore move up that much, but I think the one that could see the biggest jump would be Ayuk for me. I will say Denzel Mims. You know, when we did our way too uh, early mock draft, I took him wide receiver 39. I was excited about it because I thought he, they were getting Trevor Lawrence. And I'm a big fan of Denzel Mims. I think he's got a bright future. But if, you know, a lot of the talk is the Jets are the leading, you know, candidate if there's going to be a Deshaun Watson trade. And if that does happen, uh, I love the idea of Deshaun Watson and Denzel Mims together. So, um, I, you know, I think he's someone who could work him. If that were to happen, he could work himself into a wide receiver three discussion. I mean, that's got to be the most likely spot for they, – they, they, let's put it this way. The Jets can easily put together the best package, right? They, yeah, I saw that. They can give up a first and a second this year and well, next Miami year. Still plus, plus, yeah. uh, plus Darnold, and plus they it. would still have a ton of draft picks, you know? So yeah. it's – that's why I mean, they have multiple first rounders to give up yeah. and still have first rounders. Yeah. But you could do the Miami trade and not get Darnold, which is kind of a bonus. <laughs> but Darnold gives you that bridge. Yeah. Darnold gives you like you can you don't have to force yeah, your so quarterback Tua. into a tough spot. Right, right. But Tua's no, gonna. I was, I was about, yeah. Tua has like there. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be some awkwardness. I would say with Tua that won't exist with Darnold. No, yeah, it's because you know, at least two has got some upside to grow. <laughs> You're just yeah. throwing it. I do. I'm saying I don't want Darnold. Uh, this is kind of the trade with the Jared Goff situation. I'd rather just have straight picks than to throw Darnold <laughs> or Goff into my team. Like I'd rather I'd rather bridge with Nick Mullins. Get the hell out of here. At least I know that he's not going to potentially fool me. Like yeah, it, uh, joke aside, that really what it comes down to, and this is why it's like so. And it's not just because I want to be right. <laughs> That'd be awesome if I called the trade to a team. Because, oh, you know, there's a couple months ago. It was two months ago. Whenever I did the tweet about the Dolphins trade, and I said two of the third pick, their second rounder, their first second rounder, and then a one of the three next year. That was my proposal for Watson at the time, which is kind of what's been bouncing around, which would be awesome because mm -hmm. they're like, hey, I called it. But the reason I say this is because two, it could be your future and be like, oh, let's let's make two our future. With Darnold, the same thing that happens with the lines with golf is there bridge quarterbacks who you could trick yourself into buying into longer than that. And I like Andy Dalton, but you this the argument I've always made about it. I don't want Andy Dalton on my NFL team because it's kind of like, ah, he's good enough that yeah. we don't want to blow it up, but he's not yeah. good enough to be the person that takes us to a Super Bowl. We win a Super Bowl with him. We don't win a Super Bowl because of him, and I just don't want that. That's why I would never want Sam Darnold. It's not that well, I here, really Here's what I would say. The, the, I guarantee you the, the sentiment across the NFL is not 100% that Sam Darnold is a bridge quarterback. There are mm -hmm. teams out there and, and people out there that believe that Sam Darnold has, has, still has all that potential. It's just not been You're completely right. tapped. So uh, I think someone, and maybe Houston, Houston makes a lot of sense as a team that would misjudge you know, Sam Darnold and think that they could do something with him that the Jets couldn't. But I think it's also, I think it's also fair that for a bunch of NFL teams to think they could do something with Sam Darnold that the Jets couldn't because that's, you know, it's the Jets. I think it also would make sense that they would, that they could get, they would take Darnold back. They would draft a quarterback. They would go into 2021 with Darnold as their guy, see if they could fix something. If they can't, they can move on and they could make the guy that they drafted. Who's now been in the building for a year, the guy in 2022. 
But is that better than the opportunity to get Watson and still have first round picks to to put around him? Like I, this is what you try to do. Oh, well, I'm, get... I'm saying what Houston would do. What Houston would do. I mean, the Jets right. is a no brain. Whoever's whoever is acquiring Deshaun Watson is doing the right thing. I I, I say that preemptively, not knowing what they're giving up. Whoever is right. whoever uh, is getting Deshaun Watson, it is a good trade for them. I don't care what they give up. <laughs> but from 100%. Houston's perspective, I could see. I could see why Houston would be more interested in taking back Darnold than Tua, even if they think Tua is the better player. Right. Because you, you, you might be able to convince yourself that Darnold is close to Tua, and uh, but that you, you'll have a backup option, like you said, in, in taking a quarterback as well to cover your bases. Uh, we're going to talk plenty about Deshaun Watson and the impact he could have on some free agents if and when he does end up making the move. When well, we did, are you want to touch on Dar- Stafford then before we get out of here? Because sure. that happened since our last show. Yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's let's get into Stafford a little bit. How you feeling about those Rams with Stafford on this squad? So I had Manny on my podcast yesterday, and Maybe. we kind of agree. Yeah, we kind of agree. So I'm kind of curious to see if you guys agree with us. Is real life. Stafford's impact is going to be better than his fantasy impact because one hundred percent agree. Okay, yeah. So th- this thing is like this. This is this is turning the Rams into one of the NFC East or East NFC favorites. And where it comes down to it is the Rams are still a decent run team. They're obviously not the Seahawks second half when they shut things down and just ran all the time, but they are still going to lean on the run enough. And I drew the comparison to Brady replacing Winston is you could have similar numbers in the touchdown and the offensive efficiency department, but not need them to attempt as many and not need as many yards as in a 5,000 yards and have a better team for it. And if so, as I said, I moved Cup up. I had Cup behind Woods. I actually pretty much kept Woods where he was. I put Cup higher because I think this helps him. We saw the connection that he had with golf, but I think that Stafford can maximize that. And kind of how I said it was like, if you take the two Lions and the two Rams, I would say Galladay with Stafford, uh, not knowing what's happening right now, but Galladay, Rams, Rams, so Cup, Woods, and then Jones as fourth. And I think that's what it is. I think Cup and Woods kind of get sandwiched in between of what Galladay and Jones were. And now I think Van Jefferson takes a leap inside potential top 60 and could even break out more than that because he plays outside. So I think it's a slight bump, but I don't think it's going to be the impact that we see on the field that we see in fantasy. Yeah, I like the Van Jeff- Jefferson bump um, because because of the big arm. Yeah, the vertical, you know, the vertical guys there, you can certainly imagine. You look at what Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones were able to do and, um, you know, who's going to be those guys in, in L.A. So I like that a lot. Um, All right, guys. Well, we're going to have to wrap things up here. Uh, As I said, uh, parting such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be morrow. We're going to be back with you guys in uh, three weeks, February 23rd. The three of us return. So do you guys have any uh, parting words that you would like to share before uh, we uh, close up shop for a couple of weeks here? (laughs) Oh, wow. Could could we figure out what the hell's going on with trevor bauer i don't know this baseball thing but like it's like like we're starting the season on time supposedly and we still don't know where the hell bauer is gonna go like i just and i don't even want him as a mets fan because i'm worried about that contract but i want him on the Mets just to keep him away from the dodgers can we not do that please (laughs) 
Uh, I'm just happy to say that we can close the book on the 2020 season by the next time we talk. Uh, the worst on record for me in fantasy football. Uh, I'll be praying for a, some normalcy to return, an actual real preseason, um, and all that. Uh, I'm, like everybody else, very happy to put make uh, 2020 hindsight a real thing. Yes, absolutely, and we uh, just want to thank you all again for listening to us all season long and all the way through Super Bowl 55. I had a ton of fun with you guys. I will be happy to uh, close the book on this, and then when we get back together a couple of weeks from now, really start digging into 2021 in a big, big way. Of course, we've already done that the last few episodes, and if you want to do that with us, one more reminder, get Jake's rankings for 2021, everything else that we do at The Athletic, at theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. A subscription will cost you just $3.99 a month. We're wrapping things up here. Vic Tafer and I will be back with you later this week to dive even further into Super Bowl 55 from every betting angle available and imaginable. Until then, for Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening to us here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be right back.